0: as extra items for each episode you can read or download. You can also find great books and videos for sale as well. Feel free to also visit our Facebook page. A link is provided as well on the website. Okay, on to the episode.
1: ...threatening the interests of the Lusignan family. In 1247, Henry encouraged his relatives to travel to England where they were awarded with large estates, largely at the expense of the English barons. More poet Evans followed, until around 100 had settled in England, around two-thirds of them being granted substantial incomes worth a £66 or more by Henry. Henry encouraged some to help him on the continent. Others acted as mercenaries and diplomatic agents, or fought on Henry's behalf in European campaigns. Many were given estates along the contested Welsh marches, or in Ireland, where they protected the frontiers. For Henry, the community was an important symbol of his hopes to one day reconquer Poitou and the rest of his French lands, and many of the Lusignans became close friends with his son Edward. The presence of Henry's extended family in England proved controversial. Concerns were raised by contemporary chroniclers a euro especially in works of Roger de Wendover and Matthew Paris, a euro about the number of foreigners in England and historian Martin Oral notes the xenophobic overtones of their commentary. The term Poet Evans became loosely applied to this grouping, although many came from Anjou and other parts of France, and by the 1250s there was a fierce rivalry between the relatively well-established Servoyards and the newly arrived Poet Evans. The Lusignans began to break the law with impunity, pursuing personal grievances against other barons and the Servoyards, and Henry took little or no action to restrain them. By 1258, the general dislike of the poet Evans had turned into hatred, with Simon de Montfort one of their strongest critics. Scotland, Wales and Ireland, Henry's position in Wales was strengthened during the first two decades of his personal rule. Following the death of Llywelyn the Great in 1240, Henry's power in Wales expanded. Three military campaigns were carried out in the 1240s, new castles were constructed and the royal lands in the county of Chester were expanded, increasing Henry's dominance over the Welsh princes. Dafydd, Llywelyn's son, resisted the incursions but died in 1246 and Henry confirmed the Treaty of Woodstock the following year with Wayne and Llywelyn ap Gruffudd. Llywelyn the Great's grandsons, under which they ceded land to the king but retained the heart of their princedom in Gwynedd. In South Wales, Henry gradually extended his authority across the region, but the campaigns were not pursued with vigour and the king did little to stop the marcher territories along the border becoming increasingly independent of the crown. In 1256, however, Llywelyn ap Gruffudd rebelled against Henry and widespread violence spread across Wales. Henry promised a swift military response but did not carry through on his threats. Ireland was important to Henry, both as a source of royal revenue a euro an average of a £1,150 was sent from Ireland to the Crown each year during the middle of his reign a euro, and as a source of estates that could be granted to his supporters. The major landowners looked eastwards towards Henry's court for political leadership, and many also possessed estates in Wales and England. The 1240s saw major upheavals in land ownership due to deaths among the barons, enabling Henry to redistribute Irish lands to his supporters. In the 1250s, the king gave out numerous grants of land along the frontier in Ireland to his supporters, creating a buffer zone against the native Irish. The local Irish kings began to suffer increased harassment as English power increased across the region. These lands were in many cases unprofitable for the barons to hold and English power reached its zenith under Henry for the medieval period. In 1254, Henry granted Ireland to his son, Edward, on condition that it would never be separated from the crown. Henry maintained peace with Scotland during his reign, where he was the feudal lord of Alexander II. Henry assumed that he had the right to interfere in Scottish affairs and brought up the issue of his authority with the Scottish kings at key moments, but he lacked the inclination or the resources to do much more. Alexander had occupied parts of northern England during the First Barons' War but had been excommunicated and forced to retreat. Alexander married Henry's sister Joan in 1221, and after he and Henry signed the Treaty of York in 1237, Henry had a secure northern frontier. Henry knighted Alexander III before the young king married Henry's daughter Margaret in 1251 and, despite Alexander's refusal to give homage to Henry for Scotland, the two enjoyed a good relationship. Henry had Alexander and Margaret rescued from Edinburgh Castle when they were imprisoned there by a rebellious Scottish baron in 1255 and took additional measures to manage Alexander's government during the rest of his minority years. European strategy Henry had no further opportunities to reconquer his possessions in France after the collapse of his military campaign at Taillebourg. Henry's resources were quite inadequate in comparison to those of the French crown, and by the end of the 1240s it was clear that King Louis had become the preeminent power across France. Henry instead adopted what historian Michael Clanchy has described as a European strategy, attempting to regain his lands in France through diplomacy rather than force building alliances with other states prepared to put military pressure on the French king. In particular, Henry cultivated Frederick II, hoping he would turn against Louis or allow his nobility to join Henry's campaigns. In the process, Henry's attention became increasingly focused on European politics and events rather than domestic affairs. Crusading was a popular cause in the 13th century, and in 1248 Louis joined the ill-fated Seventh Crusade, having first made a fresh truce with England and received assurances from the Pope that he would protect his lands against any attack by Henry. Henry might have joined this crusade himself, but the rivalry between the two kings made this impossible and, after Louis's defeat at the Battle of al in 1250, Henry instead announced that he would be undertaking his own crusade to the Levant. The king began to make arrangements for passage with friendly rulers around the Levant imposing efficiency savings on the royal household and arranging for ships and transport, he appeared almost over-eager to take part. Henry's plans reflected his strong religious beliefs, but they also stood to give him additional international credibility when arguing for the return of his possessions in France. Henry's crusade never departed, as he was forced to deal with problems in Gascony, where the harsh policies of the king's lieutenant, Simon de Montfort had provoked a violent uprising in 1252, which was supported by King Alfonso X of neighboring Castile. The English court was split over the problem, Simon and Eleanor argued that the Gassons were to blame for the crisis, while Henry, backed by the Lusignans, blamed Simon's misjudgment. Henry and Eleanor quarreled over the issue and were not reconciled until the following year. Forced to intervene personally, Henry carried out an effective, if expensive, campaign with the help of the Lusignans and stabilized the province. Alfonso signed a treaty of alliance in 1254, and Gascony was given to Henry's son Edward, who married Alfonso's half-sister Eleanor, delivering a long-lasting peace with Castile. On the way back from Gascony, Henry met with Louis for the first time in an arrangement brokered by their wives, and the two kings became close friends. The Gasson campaign cost more than £200,000 and used up all the money intended for Henry's crusade, leaving him heavily in debt and reliant on loans from his brother Richard and the Lusignans. The Sicilian Business Henry did not give up on his hopes for a crusade, but became increasingly absorbed in a bid to acquire the wealthy Kingdom of Sicily for his son Edmund. Sicily had been controlled by Frederick II of the Holy Roman Empire, for many years, a rival of Pope Innocent IV. On Frederick's death in 1250, Innocent started to look for a new ruler, one more amenable to the papacy. Henry saw Sicily as both a valuable prize for his son and as an excellent base for his crusading plans in the East. With minimal consultation within his court, Henry came to an agreement with the Pope in 1254 that Edmund should be the next king. Innocent urged Henry to send Edmund with an army to reclaim Sicily from Frederick's son Manfred offering to contribute to the expenses of the campaign. Innocent was succeeded by Alexander IV, who was facing increasingly military pressure from the Empire. He could no longer afford to pay Henry's expenses, instead demanding that Henry compensate the papacy for the a £90,000 spent on the war so far. This was a huge sum, and Henry turned to Parliament for help in 1255, only to be rebuffed. Further attempts followed, But by 1257, only partial parliamentary assistance had been offered. Alexander grew increasingly unhappy about Henry's prevarication and, in 1258, sent an envoy to England, threatening to excommunicate Henry if he did not first pay his debts to the papacy and then send the promised army to Sicily. Parliament again refused to assist the king in raising this money. Instead, Henry turned to extorting money from the senior clergy, who were forced to sign blank charters promising to pay effectively unlimited sums of money in support of the king's efforts raising around a 40,000 pounds the english church felt the money was wasted vanishing into the long running war in italy meanwhile henry attempted to influence the outcomes of the elections in the holy roman empire which would appoint a new king of the romans when the more prominent german candidates failed to gain traction henry began to back his brother richard's candidature giving donations to his potential supporters in the Empire. Richard was elected in 1256 with expectations of possibly being crowned the Holy Roman Emperor, but continued to play a major role in English politics. His election faced a mixed response in England. Richard was believed to provide moderate, sensible counsel and his presence was missed by the English barons, but he also faced criticism, probably incorrectly for funding his German campaign at England's expense. Although Henry now had increased support in the Empire for a potential alliance against Louis of France, the two kings were now moving towards potentially settling their disputes peacefully. For Henry, a peace treaty could allow him to focus on Sicily and his crusade. Later reign, revolution. In 1258, Henry faced a revolt among the English barons. Anger had grown about the way the king's officials were raising funds, the influence of the poet Evans at court and his unpopular Sicilian policy. Even the English church had grievances over its treatment by the king. The Welsh were still in open revolt, and now allied themselves with Scotland. Henry was also critically short of money. Although he still had some reserves of gold and silver, they were totally insufficient to cover his potential expenditures including the campaign for Sicily and his debts to the papacy. Critics suggested darkly that he had never really intended to join the Crusades, and was simply intending to profit from the Crusading tithes. To compound the situation, the harvests in England failed. Within Henry's court there was a strong feeling that the king would be unable to lead the country through these problems. The discontent finally erupted in April, when seven of the major English and Savoyard barons are Euro-Simon de Montfort, Roger and Hugh Bigard, John FitzGeoffrey, Peter de Montfort, Peter de Savoy and Richard de Clare a Euro secretly formed an alliance to expel the Lusignans from court, a move probably quietly supported by the Queen. On April 30, Hugh Bigard marched into Westminster in the middle of the King's Parliament, backed by his co-conspirators, and carried out a coup d'aie copyright Henry Fearful that he was about to be arrested and imprisoned agreed to abandon his policy of personal rule and instead govern through a council of 24 barons and churchmen half chosen by the king and half by the barons his own nominees to the council however drew heavily on the hated Lusignans. the pressure for reform continued to grow unabated and a fresh parliament met in june passing a set of measures known as the provisions of oxford which henry swore to uphold these provisions created a smaller council of 15 members, elected solely by the barons, which then had the power to appoint England's Justiciar, chancellor and treasurer, and which would be monitored through triannual parliaments. Pressure from the lesser barons and the gentry present at Oxford also helped to push through wider reform, intended to limit the abuse of power by both the king's officials and the major barons. The elected council included representatives of the Servoyard faction but no poet Evans, and the new government immediately took steps to exile the leading Lusignans and to seize key castles across the country. The disagreements between the leading barons involved in the revolt soon became evident. De Montfort championed radical reforms that would place further limitations on the authority and power of the major barons as well as the crown. Others, such as Hugh Bigard promoted only moderate change, while the conservative barons, such as de Clare, expressed concerns about the existing limitations on the king's powers. Henry's son, Edward, initially opposed the revolution, but then allied himself with de Montfort, helping him to pass the radical provisions of Westminster in 1259, which introduced further limits on the major barons and local royal officials. Crisis. Over the next four years, neither Henry nor the barons were able to restore stability in England, and power swung back and forth between the different factions. One of the priorities for the new regime, however, was to settle the long-running dispute with France and, at the end of 1259, Henry and Eleanor left for Paris to negotiate the final details of a peace treaty with King Louis, escorted by Simon de Montfort and much of the baronial government. Under the treaty, Henry gave up any claim to his family's lands in the north of France, but was confirmed as the legitimate ruler of Gascony and various neighboring territories in the south, giving homage and recognizing Louis as his feudal lord for these possessions. When de Montfort returned to England, Henry, supported by Eleanor, remained in Paris where he seized the opportunity to reassert royal authority and began to issue royal orders independently of the barons. Henry finally returned to retake power in England in April 1260, where conflict was brewing between de Clare's forces and those of de Montfort and Edward. Henry's brother Richard mediated between the parties and averted a military confrontation. Edward was reconciled with his father and de Montfort was put on trial for his actions against the king. Henry was unable to maintain his grip on power, however, and in October a coalition headed by de Montfort. Mr. Clare and Edward briefly seized back control, but within months their baronial council had collapsed into chaos as well. Henry continued to publicly support the provisions of Oxford, but he secretly opened discussions with Pope Urban IV, hoping to be absolved from the oath he had made at Oxford. In June 1261, the King announced that Rome had released him from his promises and he promptly held a counter-coup with the support of Edward. He purged the ranks of the sheriffs of his enemies and seized back control of many of the royal castles. The baronial opposition, led by de Montfort and de Clare, were temporarily reunited in their opposition to Henry's actions, convening their own parliament, independent of the king, and establishing a rival system of local government across England. Henry and Eleanor mobilized their own supporters and raised a foreign mercenary army. Facing the threat of open civil war, the barons backed down, de Clare switched sides once again, de Montfort left for exile in France and the baronial resistance collapsed. Henry's government relied primarily on Eleanor and her Servoyard supporters, and it proved short-lived. He attempted to settle the crisis permanently by forcing the barons to agree to the Treaty of Kingston. This treaty introduced a system of arbitration to settle outstanding disputes between the king and the barons, using Richard as an initial adjudicator, backed up by Louis of France should Richard fail to generate a compromise. Henry softened some of his policies in response to the concerns of the barons, but he soon began to target his political enemies and recommence his unpopular Sicilian policy. Henry's government was weakened by the death of de Clare, as his heir, Gilbert, sided with the radicals. The king's position was further undermined by major Welsh incursions along the marches and the pope's decision to reverse his judgment on the provisions, this time confirming them as legitimate. By early 1263, Henry's authority had disintegrated and the country slipped back towards open civil war. Second Barons War. De Montfort returned to England in April 1263 and convened a council of rebel barons in Oxford to pursue a renewed anti-poet Evan agenda. Revolt broke out shortly afterwards in the Welsh marches and, by October, England faced a likely civil war between Henry, backed by Edward, Bigard and the Conservative barons, and de Montfort, de Clare and the Radicals. De Montfort marched east with an army and London rose up in revolt. Henry and Eleanor were trapped in the Tower of London by the rebels. The Queen attempted to escape up the River Thames to join Edward's army at Windsor, but was forced to retreat by the London crowds. De Montfort took the pair prisoner, and although he maintained a fiction of ruling in Henry's name, the rebels completely replaced the royal government and household with their own, trusted men. De Montfort's coalition began to quickly fragment, Henry regained his freedom of movement and renewed chaos spread across England. Henry appealed to Louis of France for arbitration in the dispute, as had been laid out in the Treaty of Kingston de Montfort was initially hostile to this idea, but, as war became more likely again, he decided to agree to French arbitration as well. Henry went to Paris in person, accompanied by de Montfort's representatives. Initially de Montfort's legal arguments held sway, but in January 1264, Louis announced the Miss of Amiens, condemning the rebels, upholding the king's rights and annulling the provisions of Oxford. Louis had strong views of his own on the rights of kings over those of barons, but was also influenced by his wife, Margaret, who was Eleanor's sister, and by the Pope. Leaving Eleanor in Paris to assemble mercenary reinforcements, Henry returned to England in February 1264, where violence was brewing in response to the unpopular French decision. The Second Barons War finally broke out in April 1264. When Henry led an army into de Montfort's territories in the Midlands, and then advanced southeast to reoccupy the important route to France, becoming desperate, de Montfort marched in pursuit of Henry and the two armies met at the Battle of Louis on May 14. Despite their numerical superiority, Henry's forces were overwhelmed. His brother Richard was captured, and Henry and Edward retreated to the local priory and surrendered the following day. Henry was forced to pardon the rebel barons and reinstate the provisions of Oxford, leaving him, as historian Adrian Jobson describes, little more than a figurehead. De Montfort was unable to consolidate his victory, and widespread disorder persisted across the country. In France, Eleanor made plans for an invasion of England with the support of Louis, while Edward escaped his captors in May and formed a new army. Edward pursued De Montfort's forces through the marches before striking east to attack his fortress at Gneworth and then turning once more on the rebel leader himself. De Montfort, accompanied by the captive Henry, was unable to retreat and the Battle of Eversham ensued. Edward was triumphant and De Montfort's corpse was mutilated by the victors. Henry, who was wearing borrowed armor, was almost killed by Edward's forces during the fighting before they recognized the king and escorted him to safety in places the now leaderless rebellion dragged on, with some rebels gathering at Quilworth, which Henry and Edward took after a long siege in 1266. The remaining pockets of resistance were mopped up, and the final rebels, holed up in the Isle of Ely, surrendered in July 1267, marking the end of the war. Reconciliation and Reconstruction, Henry quickly took revenge on his enemies after the Battle of Eversham he immediately ordered the sequestration of all the rebel lands, triggering a wave of chaotic looting across the country. Henry initially rejected any calls for moderation, but in October 1266 he was persuaded by the papal legate Otto de Faye, to issue a less draconian policy, called the Dictum of Knewworth, which allowed for the return of the rebels' lands, in exchange for the payment of harsh fines. The Statute of Marlborough followed in November 1267. Which effectively reissued much of the provisions of Westminster, placing limitations on the powers of local royal officials and the major barons, but without restricting central royal authority. Most of the exiled poet Evans began to return to England after the war. In September 1267, Henry made the Treaty of Montgomery with Llywelyn, recognizing him as the Prince of Wales and giving substantial land concessions. In the final years of his reign, Henry was increasingly infirm and focused on securing peace within the kingdom and his own religious devotions. Edward became the steward of England and began to play a more prominent role in government. Henry's finances were in a precarious state as a result of the war, and when Edward decided to join the Crusades in 1268 it became clear that fresh taxes were necessary. Henry was concerned that Edward's absence might encourage further revolts but was swayed by his son to negotiate with multiple parliaments over the next two years to raise the money. De Montfort had exacted harsh penalties on the Jews which Henry initially reversed, but he reintroduced a range of anti-Jewish measures under pressure from Parliament in the final years of his reign. Henry continued to invest in Westminster Abbey, which became a replacement for the Orngavin mausoleum at Fontevraud Abbey and in 1269 he oversaw a grand ceremony to rebury Edward the Confessor in a lavish new shrine, personally helping to carry the body to its new resting place. Death Edward left for the Eighth Crusade, led by Louis of France, in 1270, but Henry became increasingly ill. Concerns about a fresh rebellion grew in the next year the king wrote to his son asking him to return to England, but Edward did not turn back. Henry recovered slightly and announced his renewed intention to join the Crusades himself, but he never regained his full health and on the evening of November 16, 1272, Henry died in Westminster, probably with Eleanor in attendance. He was succeeded by Edward, who slowly made his way back to England via Gascony, finally arriving in August 1274. At his request, Henry was buried in Westminster Abbey in front of the church's high altar, in the former resting place of Edward the Confessor. A few years later, work began on a grander tomb for the King and in 1290 Edward moved his father's body to its current location in Westminster Abbey. His gilt-brass funeral effigy was designed and forged within the Abbey grounds by William Torrell. Unlike other effigies of the period, it is particularly naturalistic in style, but it is probably not a close likeness of Henry himself. Eleanor probably hoped that Henry would be recognized as a saint, as his contemporary Louis IX of France had been. Indeed, Henry's final tomb resembled the shrine of a saint, complete with niches possibly intended to hold relics. When the king's body was exhumed in 1290, contemporaries noted that the body was in perfect condition and that Henry's long beard remained well preserved, which at the time was considered to be an indication of saintly purity. Miracles began to be reported at the tomb, but Edward was skeptical about these stories. The report ceased, and Henry was never canonized. In 1292 Henry's heart was removed from his tomb and reburied at Fontevraud Abbey with the bodies of his Orngevin family. Legacy, historiography The first histories of Henry's reign emerged in the 16th and 17th centuries, relying primarily on the accounts of medieval chroniclers, in particular writings of Roger of Wendover and Matthew Paris; These early historians, including Archbishop Matthew Parker, were influenced by contemporary concerns about the roles of the church and state, and examined the changing nature of kingship under Henry, the emergence of English nationalism during the period and what they perceived to be the malign influence of the papacy. During the English Civil War, Historians also drew parallels between Henry's experiences and those of the deposed Charles I. By the 19th century, Victorian scholars such as William Stubbs, James Ramsay, and William Hunt sought to understand how the English political system had evolved under Henry. They explored the emergence of parliamentary institutions during his reign, and sympathized with the concerns of the chroniclers over the role of the poet Evans in England. This focus carried on into early 20th century research into Henry, such as Kate Norgate's 1913 volume, which continued to make heavy use of the chronicler accounts and focused primarily on constitutional issues, with a distinctive nationalistic bias. After 1900, the financial and official records from Henry's reign began to become accessible to historians, including the pipe rolls, court records, correspondence, and records of administration of the royal forests. Thomas Tart made extensive use of these new sources in the 1920s, and post-war historians brought a particular focus on the finances of Henry's government, highlighting his fiscal difficulties. This wave of research culminated in Sir Maurice Powick's two major biographical works on Henry, published in 1948 and 1953, which formed the established history of the king for the next three decades. Henry's reign did not receive much attention from historians for many years after the 1950s. No substantial biographies of Henry were written after Powick's, and the historian John Beeler observed in the 1970s that the coverage of Henry's reign by military historians remained particularly thin. At the end of the 20th century, however, there was a renewed interest in 13th century English history, resulting in the publication of various specialist works on aspects of Henry's reign. Including government finance and the period of Henry's minority. Current historiography notes both Henry's positive and negative qualities. Historian David Carpenter judges Henry to have been a decent man, who failed as a ruler due to his naivety and inability to produce realistic plans for reform, a theme echoed by Hugh Ridgeway, who also notes his unworldliness and inability to manage his court, but who considers him to have been essentially a man of peace, kind, and merciful. Popular culture, Henry's life was depicted in a series of contemporary illustrations sketched and watercolored by the chronicler Matthew Paris, mostly drawn in the margins of the Chronica Majora. Paris first met Henry in 1236 and enjoyed an extended relationship with the king, although Paris disliked many of Henry's actions and the illustrations are frequently unflattering. Henry was also shown in the poetry of his Italian contemporary Dante. Who depicted Henry in the Divine Comedy as an example of a negligent ruler, sitting alone in purgatory to one side of the other failed kings. It is unclear why he is shown separately from his contemporaries. Possible explanations include that this is a code by Dante to show that England was not part of the Holy Roman Empire, or that it is a favorable comment on Henry himself, highlighting his unusual piety. Unlike many other medieval kings, Henry did not feature significantly in the works of William Shakespeare, and in the modern period he has not been a prominent subject for films, theatre or television, having only a minimal role in modern popular culture. Children – Henry and Eleanor had five children, Edward I. Margaret, Beatrice, Edmund, Catherine – Henry had no illegitimate children. Ancestors – notes. References. Bibliography – oral, Martin L'Empire de Plantagena T. 1154 Euro 1224. Paris, France, Tempest. ISBN A 978 2 262 02282 a French, Bela, John. Military Developments from Prehistoric Times to 1485 Inches. In Hyam, Robin. A Guide to the Sources of British Military History. London, UK, Routledge and Keegan Paul PPA 43 Euro 64. ISBN A 978 0 7100 7251 1 A Bolton, Jim L. Money in the Medieval English Economy, 973 Euro 1489. Manchester, UK, Manchester University Press. ISBN A 978 0 7190 5040-4A, Bradbury, Jim. Philip Augustus, King of France 1180 euro twelve 1223. London, UK, Longman. ISBN A 978-0-582-06058-6A, Carpenter, D.A. The Minority of Henry III. Berkeley, U.S. and Los Angeles, U.S., University of California Press. ISBN A 978 0 520 07239 8 Carpenter, David. The Reign of Henry III. London, UK, Hambold and Press. ISBN A 1 85285 137 6 Carpenter, David. The Struggle for Mastery The Penguin History of Britain 1066 Euro 1284. London, UK, Penguin. ISBN A 978 0 14 014824 4. Carpenter, David. The Meetings of Kings Henry III and Louis IX. In Prestwich, Michael. Britnell, Richard. Frame, Robin. 13th Century England, Proceedings of the Durham Conference, 2004 10. Woodbridge, UK. Boydell Press PPA 1 a Euro 30. ISBN 978-1-84383-122-8A, Clanchy, MT England and its rulers, 1066 a Euro 1307. Oxford, UK, Blackwell Publishing. ISBN 978 one 4051 649 8 Cole, Virginia, a ritual charity and royal children in 13th century England. In Costa, Joe Le. Medieval and Early Modern Ritual, Formalized Behavior in Europe, China and Japan. Leiden, the Netherlands, Brill PPA 221 Euro 241. ISBN A 978 90 04 11749 five. Davis, Ara Domination and Conquest. The Experience of Ireland, Scotland and Wales 1100-1300. Cambridge, UK. Cambridge University Press. ISBN A978-0-521-02977-3. a Davis, John Paul. The Gothic King: A Biography of Henry III. London, UK. Peter Owen. ISBN A978-0- Duffy, Mark. Royal Tombs of Medieval England. Stroud, UK, Tempus. ISBN 978-0-7524-2579-5. Eaglen, R. J. The Evolution of Coinage in 13th Century England. In Kos, Peter R. Lloyd, Simon D. 13th Century England. Proceedings of the Newcastle-upon-Tyne Conference, 1991-4. Woodbridge, UK: Boydell Press ppa 15 a 24. ISBN 0-85115-325-9 a frame, Robin. King Henry III and Ireland: the shaping of a peripheral lordship. In COSS, Peter R. Lloyd, Simon D. 13th-century England, Proceedings of the Newcastle upon Tyne Conference 1991-4. Woodbridge, UK. Boydell Press PPA 179-202. ISBN A0-85115-325-9. Fritz, Stephanie. Henry III of England. In Rude, J. Critical Companion to Dante: A Literary Reference to His Life and Work. New York City, Facts on File. PA 466. ISBN 978 0 8160 6521 9 Gillingham, John. The Orngevin Empire. London, UK, Edward Arnold. ISBN 0-7131-6249-XA, Gerbell, Stefan. The Great War and Medieval Memory, War. Remembrance and Medievalism in Britain and Germany, 1914 a Euro 1940. Cambridge, UK, Cambridge University Press. ISBN A 978-0-521-85415-3a, Goodall, John. The English Castle. New Haven, US and London, UK, Yale University Press. ISBN A 978 0 300 11058 6 A, Hallam, Elizabeth M. Everett, Judith A. Capetian France, 987 A Euro 1328. Harlow, UK, Longman. ISBN A 978 0 582 40428 1 A, Hillaby, Joe. Jewish colonization in the 12th century. In Skinner, Patricia. Jews in medieval Britain. Woodbridge, UK, Boydell Press PPA 15 a Euro 40. ISBN A 978-1-84383-733-6a, Hillen, Christian. The minority governments of Henry III, Henry and Louis IX compared. In Viler, J. Paragraph R. M. K. Burton, Janet E. Schofield, Philip, 13th century England, Proceedings of the Grigionog Conference, 2005 11. Woodbridge, UK, Boydell Press, ppa 46 a euro 60. ISBN 978 1 84383 285 0 a. Holt, James Clark. The Loss of Normandy and Royal Finance. In Holt, James Clark. Gillingham, John. War and Government in the Middle Ages, essays in honor of J. O. Prestwich. Woodbridge, UK, Boydell Press PPA 92 A. Euro 105. ISBN 978 0 389 20475 6 Howell, Margaret. The Children of King Henry III and Eleanor of Provence. In Kos, Peter R. Lloyd, Simon D13th Century England, Proceedings of the Newcastle upon Tyne Conference, 1991-4. Woodbridge, UK, Boydell Press PPA57-Euro72. ISBNA 0-85115-325-9. a Howell, Margaret. Eleanor of Provence, Queenship in 13th Century England. Oxford, UK, Blackwell Publishers. ISBN A 978-0-631-22739-7. Jobson, Adrian. The First English Revolution: Simon de Montfort, Henry III, and the Barons' War. London, UK: Bloomsbury. ISBN A 978-1-84725-226-5. Kalov, Linda. Looking at Animals in Human History. London, UK, Riechsen Books. ISBN 978 one 86189 334 5 Louis, Suzanne. The Art of Matthew Paris in the Chronica Majora. Berkeley, U.S. and Los Angeles, U.S., University of California Press. ISBN A 978-0-520-04981-9A, J.R. Simon de Montfort. Cambridge, UK, Cambridge University Press. ISBN A 978 0 521 37636 5 a Mayor, Christoph T. Preaching the Crusades, Mendicant Friars and the Cross in the 13th century. Cambridge UK, Cambridge University Press. ISBN 978 0 521 63873 9a, Mayor Harting, Henry. Religion, Politics and Society in Britain, 1066 Euro 1272. Harlow, UK, Longman. ISBN A 978-0-582-41413-6 McGlynn, Sean. Blood cries afar: the forgotten invasion of England, 1216. Stroud, UK: The History Press. ISBN 978-0-7524-8831-8 Moss VD. The Norman Exchequer rolls of King John. In Church, Stephen D. King John, New Interpretations. Woodbridge, UK, Boydell Press PPA 101, e. Euro 116. ISBN A 978-0-85115-947-8A, Pounds, Nigel J. G. The Medieval Castle in England and Wales, A Social and Political History. Cambridge, UK. Cambridge University Press. ISBN A 978-0-521-4599-7a, Ridgway, Hugh. King Henry III and the Aliens, 1236 A Euro 1272. In Cos, Peter R. Lloyd, Simon D. 13th Century England, Proceedings of the Newcastle upon Tyne Conference, 1987-2. Woodbridge, UK. Boydell Press PPA 81 A e Euro 92. ISBN A 978-0-85115-513-5, Robson, Michael. The Grey Friars of Lincoln, C 1230 e Euro 1330, the establishment of the Friary and the Friars Ministry and Life in the City and its environs. In Robson, Michael. raw paragraph Carson, Jens. Franciscan organization in the mendicant context, formal and informal structures of the friars lives and ministry in the Middle Ages. Berlin, Germany, lit ppa 119 a Euro 146. ISBN A 978-3-643-10820-3a, Senokak, Nesleien. The Poor and the Perfect, the Rise of Learning in the Franciscan Order, 1209 A Euro 1310. New York City, Cornell University Press. ISBN 978-0-8014-6471-3A, Spofford, Peter. Money and its use in medieval Europe. Cambridge, UK, Cambridge University Press. ISBN A 978-0-521-37590-0A, Stacey, Robert C. Parliamentary Negotiation and the Expulsion of the Jews from England. In Prestwich, Michael. Brignall, Richard H. Frame, Robin. Thirteenth-Century England, Proceedings of the Doran Conference, 1995-6. Woodbridge, UK. Boydell Press, PPA 77, a Euro 102. ISBN 978 0 85115 674 3. A. Stacy Robert C. The English Jews under Henry III Historical, Literary and Archaeological Perspectives. In Skinner, Patricia. Jews in Medieval Britain. Woodbridge, UK, Boydell Press, PPA 41, a Euro 54. ISBN a 978 one 84383 733 6 a Turner, Ralph E. King John, England's Evil King. Stroud, UK, History Press. ISBN A978-0-7524-4850-3A, Christopher. England and the Crusades, 1095 A Euro 1588. Chicago, US University of Chicago Press ISBN 978 0 226 82013 2 Vincent Nicholas The Holy Blood King Henry III and the Westminster Blood Relic Cambridge UK Cambridge University Press ISBN A978-0-521-02660-4 Vincent Nicholas Isabella of Gulamy, John's Jezebel. In church, Stephen D. King John, New Interpretations. Woodbridge, UK, Boydell Press PPA 165, a Euro 219. ISBN A 978-0-85115-947-8A, Warren, W. Lewis. King John. London. UK, Methuen. ISBN 0-413-45520-3a, Weiler, J. Paragraph R. N. K. U. Henry III's Plans for a German Marriage and Their Context. In Prestwich, Michael. Britnell, Richard. Frame, Robin. 13th Century England, Proceedings of the Durham Conference, 1997-7. Woodbridge, UK. Boydell Press PPA 173 188 ISBN 978-0-85115-719-1a, Paragraph R N K U Henry III of England and the Stauffen Empire, 1216 1272 Paris, Royal Historical Society, Boydell Press. ISBN A 978 0 86193 319 8 Wilde, Benjamin L. A. Captive King, Henry III Between the Battles of Lewis and Eversham 1264 5. In Burton, Janet E. Lacord, Far Copyright Dow Copyright Rick. Schofield, Philip R. Star Paragraph Bear, Karen. Viler. A paragraph RNK 13th Century England, Proceedings of the Paris Conference 2009 13. Woodbridge, UK, Boydell Press, PPA 41 e Euro 56. ISBN A 978 1 84383 618 6A.